most kids resent a dad who's constantly pushing them. Let's go. But not Rick Hoyt. We can do this. For years, Rick has been pushed, pulled, and carried by his dad, and he loves it. Here they come! That's because Rick, a wheelchair quadriplegic since birth, and his father, Dick, together have competed in over 65 marathons. So when you see Dick Hoyt pushing his son around, you're witnessing extraordinary devotion. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Atlanta's number one radio stations, Swanky 93.3 and The Heat 94.6. Radio stations has you covered. From our studios to our newsroom at KLP Entertainment. Listen on all major audio platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audacity, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube and more. A few words for a successful life. Always ask why. Why? Tell the truth. All the time. Why? Write thank you notes. Eat right, sleep right. And exercise. If you don't like your job, change it. Why? Be creative every day. Take a fun trip. You don't always have to do things fast. These motivating thoughts from Randy Pausch's last lecture remind each of us to live our dreams. And I go now, my dog wants to play. Oh yeah, play with your dog. And with your kids. Motivation. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Live from our newsrooms brings back our hit news network, SNN, with many news anchors like Arthur Brooks, Addison Hayden, and Beatrix Gemma. Brings you stories about the news worldwide. Tune in on Atlanta's number one stations, Swanky 93.3 and The Heat 94.6 radio stations. To get the latest news today, listen on all major audio platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audacity, Apple Podcasts. Stitcher Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube, and more. Possible cyber attack disrupts the Philadelphia Inquirer. The Inquirer, citing anomalous activity on its computer systems, said it was unable to print its regular Sunday edition and told staff members not to work in the newsroom at least through Tuesday. A possible cyber attack on the Philadelphia Inquirer disrupted the newspaper's print operation over the weekend and prompted it to close its newsroom through at least Tuesday, when its staff will be covering an expensive and fiercely contested mayoral primary. Elizabeth H. Hughes, the publisher and chief executive of the Inquirer, said that the newspaper discovered anomalous activity on select computer systems on Thursday and immediately took those systems offline. But the Inquirer was unable to print its regular Sunday edition, the newspaper reported. Instead, print subscribers received a Sunday early edition, which went to press on Friday night. The newspaper also reported on Sunday that its ability to post and update stories on its website, Inquirer was sometimes slower than normal. The Monday print editions of the Inquirer and the Philadelphia Daily News, which the Inquirer also publishes, were distributed as scheduled, Evan Ben, a company spokesman, said. But employees will not be permitted to work in the newsroom at least through Tuesday because access to the Inquirer's internet servers has been disrupted, Ms. Hughes said in an email to the staff on Sunday evening that was shared with the New York Times. 
Ms. Hughes said that the company was looking for a co-working space for Tuesday, when the Inquirer will be covering a closely contested Democratic primary that is all but certain to determine the next mayor of Philadelphia, the largest city in Pennsylvania, a presidential swing state. I truly don't think it will impact it at all, short of us not being able to be together in the formal newsroom, said Diane Mastrell, an editor who is president of the newspaper Guild of Greater Philadelphia, the union that represents reporters, photographers and other staff members at the Inquirer. COVID has certainly taught us to do our jobs remotely. She said on Monday that the newspaper's content management system, which staff members used to write and edit stories, was operating with continued workarounds. I would not use the word normal, Ms. Mastrell said. Ms. Hughes said that the Inquirer had notified the FBI and had implemented alternative processes to enable publication of print editions. The newspaper was also working with Crawl, a corporate investigation firm, to restore its systems and to investigate the episode, Ms. Hughes said. The Inquirer, in its new story on the apparent cyberattack, said it was the most significant disruption to the publication of the newspaper since January 1996 when a major blizzard dropped more than 30 inches of snow on Philadelphia. The newspaper reported that Ms. Hughes, citing a continuing investigation, had declined to answer detailed questions about the episode, including who was behind it, whether the Inquirer or its employees appeared to have been specifically targeted, or whether any sensitive employee or subscriber information might have been compromised. In an email on Monday, Mr. Ben, the company spokesman, said, as our investigation is ongoing, we are unable to provide additional information at this time. Should we discover that any personal data was affected, we will notify and support anyone who might have been affected. Special Agent E. Edward Conway of the FBI Field Office in Philadelphia said that while the agency was aware of the issue, it was the Bureau's practice not to comment on specific cyber incidents. However, when the FBI learns about potential cyber attacks, it's customary that we offer our assistance in these matters, Mr. Conway said in an email. Ms. Mastrell, who was working as an editor over the weekend, said that staff members had noticed on Saturday that they could not log on to the content management system. They were given a workaround, she said, but the process created very, very difficult working conditions, as the staff covered the last weekend of campaign events before the primary, Taylor Swift concerts at Lincoln Financial Field and Game 7 of the Eastern Conference semifinals between the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. Employees were a little concerned that there weren't enough protections against this, and very frustrated that the company's communication was lacking specifics, Ms. Mastrell said. In 2018, the Los Angeles Times said that a cyber attack had disrupted its printing operations and those at newspapers in San Diego and Florida. Unnamed sources cited by the Los Angeles Times suggested that the newspaper might have been hit by ransomware, a pernicious attack that scrambles computer programs and files before demanding that the victim pay a ransom to unscramble them.
transfer news as stay with Real Madrid because they are interested in signing Paris Saint-Germain forward Kylian Mbappe, Borussia Dortmund midfielder Jude Bellingham and Bayern Munich left-back Alfonso Davis this summer. The contract um, Mbappe signed at PSG last summer is broken down. It's a two-year deal plus the option for a further year. The extra year is a player option, meaning it's up to Mbappe whether he wants to trigger it or not. As it stands, Mbappe is about to enter the final year of his deal. If the forward does not trigger the extra year, he can sign a pre-contract agreement with the club outside of France in January. As for Bellingham, we told you earlier this month talks were at an advanced stage for the Borussia Dortmund midfielder, but as yet, no official offer from the Spanish club. Real also in the market for a left-back and have a long-standing interest in Canadian international Davis. However, he's been described as unsaleable with Bayern desperate to sit time down to a new contract. His current deal is up in the summer of 2025. Now Sadio Mane and Shao Cancelo are not expected to stay at Bayern Munich beyond this summer. That's according to Sky Germany. Bayern have an option to buy Cancelo at the end of his loan spell from Manchester City, but are not planning to pay in excess of £60 million to sign the Portugal defender. Whereas Mane is also likely to be made available for transfer in the summer after just one season with Bayern, in which he has so far scored 12 goals. Mane has not been a able to secure a regular starting place under new boss Thomas Tuchel. He's also suspended for one game following a confrontation with his teammate Leroy Sane. This is a high-end cannabis dispensary in central Bangkok. In less than a year, Thailand has seen more than 4,500 dispensaries open for business across the country. But despite its rapid growth, Thailand's cannabis industry is walking a political tightrope and a handful of political parties want to relist cannabis as a narcotic, leaving cannabis farmers and entrepreneurs concerned. Pro-cannabis supporters, on the other hand, are asking for more regulation. This political and legal deadlock threatens an industry that is estimated to be worth over $1 billion by 2025. <laughs> Will this be a turning point for the decriminalization of Thailand's newest cash crop? Olan is a farmer in Buriram province, the heart of the cannabis growing community in Thailand. เดปกพื้นแล้วก็เกิดแรงบันดาลใจว่าอืมในส่วนนั้นเนี่ยถ้าเราทําอะไรเพื่อเอ่อประชาชนในในประเทศเราเนี่ยนะครับโดยเฉ
แล้วก็อาคารพระชมนะครับก็ไฟอุปกรณ์การปลูกเออถ้าเราอยู่ตอนนี้เท่ากับศูนย์เลยนะว่าสิ่งที่ลงทุนมาเนี่ยมันมันต้องไปต่อเพื่อที่จะให้ถึงจุดที่ว่าได้ได้คืนทุนด้วยก็ตอนนี้ก็เหมือนก็ลอยคออยู่ในในในมหาสมุทรก็ว่าได้นะว่าในส่วนของนโยบายที่รัฐที่ว่าจะสนับสนุนให้เป็นพืชเศรษฐกิจเนี่ยนะครับตอนนี้ก็ยังยังไม่เป็นรูปธรรมที่ชัดเจน,นะ For years, Thai farmers have faced falling prices for its main agricultural commodities like rice and natural rubber. Cannabis, on the other hand, generates more income for the same space use, but is much less labor-intensive. Siwa Sun is part of a network of seven farms in Buriram. I'm a member of the Association of Buriram. This is called วิสาหกิจชุมชนทั้ง7มีความชอบตรงกันเราชอบเหมือนกันคือชอบทำฟาร์มเกษตรแล้วเราก็เลยเลือกที่จะมาปลูกพืชกัญชาครับ Cannabis farmers like Siwasan currently operate in a gray area due to a regulatory vacuum since a plant was decriminalized before lawmakers could agree on how to regulate the industry Siwasan sees the regulation of cannabis as an important factor for political parties running for office in Thailand ผมว่ามันมีจุดร่วมมันมีจุดร่วมกันของคนที่จะก่อรัฐบาลก็คือกัญชาต้องถูกควบคุมนะกัญชาต้องถูกใช้โดยกฎหมายนะ Thailand is the first country in Asia to decriminalize cannabis The historic move toward decriminalization is due to this man Anutin Chanwirgon and his political party Pum Chai Thai The Pum Chai Thai party spearheaded the plant's wider use and cultivation by Thai households But many opposition parties want to roll back the decriminalization. Pumjai Thai is winning over Siwasan and many others in the cannabis industry, for whom protecting cannabis is enough reason to support the party. So, what was the Thai government's plan to build a decriminalization? พักไหนก็ได้นะที่สามารถผลักดันแล้วก็ดูแลควบคุมบังคับใช้กฎหมายเกี่ยวกับบัญชานี่ให้ให้เป็นไปตามตัวบทกฎหมายได้ก็สนับสนุน Cannabis is undeniably a boon to Thailand's economy. Olan continues to sell high-quality cannabis buds to dispensaries in cities like Bangkok and Phuket, and has also opened his own shop in Buriram. The two growers remain hopeful. That cannabis will remain decriminalized in Thailand and will not be realistic as a narcotic. ไม่ว่าจะรัฐบาลใดเขาจะไม่หักลำทำลายคนเล็กๆที่ทำธุรกิจแล้วก็ลูกจ้างในอุตสาหกรรมกัญชาของเขาที่เป็นหมื่นชีวิตไปแล้วเต็มทางหนึ่งนะกฎหมายเขาชัดเจนใช่ไหมครับพี่น้องเกษตรกรสามารถที่จะสบายใจในการที่จะปลูกกัญชานะครับแล้วก็ Dispensary ที่มันถูกกฎหมายคลินิกกัญชาถูกกฎหมายเนี่ยมันมีภาพที่ชัดจากข้อกฎหมายที่มันเสถียรละว่าเข้าขายได้กเกษตรกรจะคู่กับร้านนะครับมันไปแค่ครึ่งทางของความฝันกฎหมายไม่ชัดเจนมันเกิดยาก